I am not the Doctor, and you're listening to the Power of Three podcast. And they're not the Doctor either. That jarring cacophony, concluding with Howard Carter's Time War theme, tells you that another Power of Three podcast episode is upon us. A trio of middle-aged-ish, although one of us is a lot older and closer to pensionable age. You can tell, but he, he uses photographs on his, on his social media from ages ago. He's actually bent almost double now and his hair is completely white. He can't needs a stick to walk. He swears at pigeons. It's terrible. You know, it's <laughs> everything that you see on social media is a lie. Anyway, we are a trio of Doctor Who fans from each week, discuss, digest, digress and disagree as we talk about our favourite time-travelling hero and all forms of his adventures, whether on TV, audio, comic strips, animations, novels or plastoid Zarbi Venom Grub badges. I'm Kenny Smith and this week, A Good Man Goes to War as we look at the first series of War Doctor Begins stories from Big Finish, Forged in Fire. And who's this with me? He's got his thumbs up. I have got my thumbs up because Kenny's intro is amazing. Hello, everyone. I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Yes, The War Doctor Begins. The War Doctor Begins. Fantastic. But I'll say more, obviously. Absolutely. And also with us, it's the master of sardonic humour, Captain Grumpy himself, a fellow with grey hair and a beard. It's Tom Harris. Hello, Kenny. How are you? Very well, indeed. Tom, do you know anything about Jonathan Carley's War Doctor impression? Oh, it's very, very good, isn't it? I mean, I I just think it is, is terrific. Uh, sounds so like him. Um, and, and I'll confirm this at some point by listening to it. Okay, thank you. We'll move on. Tom, The War Doctor Begins, is it something you're aware of? I'm aware of it because I do this uh, podcast with these two Doctor Who guys. And uh, they're very knowledgeable of that sort of thing. And they did mention it in, in passing. But that's all. I've not actually had the time to listen to it, I'm afraid. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Tom. We will speak to you later. <laughs> Welcome. So, Dave. Yes, Kenny. We have just been given the War Doctor Begins. Well, I say given. We've just paid for the War Doctor Begins, forged in <laughs> fire. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The War Doctor Begins, Volume 1. I assumed you were here to help. That you were on our side. Oh, sides. It always has to be about sides, doesn't it? Doctor of War, make your choice. We're too close to Falter now. (laughs) Prepare explosives! You try my patience. You try mine! What are they going to do? What you have forced them to. What are they going to do? You may think you're being very clever, but what you're doing risks tearing apart the fabric of space and time. There are more things in heaven and earth, Rasmus. Or should I say, Khan and Gallifrey? I can't see how one Time Lord makes a difference. You will find a way. The renegade, the warrior, Open the time chamber. You want to 
behind the wall. You will have your answer. It doesn't look very hospitable. Enter. Big finish. We love stories. So yes. this set, when it was first announced, what was your feeling towards it? Were you quite excited by it or did you think, oh, I'm not sure about that one? I was kind of in the middle with it, of, of those two extremes, to be honest, Matey. I was, I, was I was very intrigued. I was very intrigued. Now, I've, I've moaned an awful lot recently about my continuity implants sort of stories are becoming a bit of a bet noir for me and becoming a bit of a dislike. I was very intrigued by this one because I sort of thought, this one's worth doing. There's been an awful lot of stuff in spin-off media the last couple of years, which has, has made me kind of go, hmm, because I think it's, it's kind of stretching, stretching the point and scraping the barrel. But this is something that I thought, right, this is really worth doing. The Time War, as much as Big Finish have exploited it, you know, with the, the Gallifrey series, with the Susan Box set, with Derek Jacobi's The Master. When we lost Sir John, you kind of thought, right, that's put an end to actual stories focused on the Doctor. But then when this one was announced... I sort of thought, right, okay. I was very, very intrigued. Yeah, that's that's probably the best summation of it. I was thought, right, there's potential here. There really is. Yeah, I agree. There's yep. an awful lot of War Doctors still to explore. The fact that we got 12 great episodes with Sir John Hurt, fantastic. But that's, again, towards the end of his life and having fought many, many battles and he's become weary by it all. Whereas at this point, we've got him in the first story, Light the Flame, by Matt Fitton picking up pretty much it's the morning after the regeneration and he's not happy in the slightest and yeah. it, pick, it picks up the story and I think it's a it's a great first story for an introductory story for this doctor as he sort of gets to grips with who he is or isn't. It's interesting because the story it's you know as you say it's the it's essentially operates as the first story of this new incarnation of the, the Time Lord who generally calls himself the Doctor and there's different types of sort of first story, you know, for, for the Doctor after regeneration. You get stories like Castrovalva or Christmas Invasion that just sort of seamlessly pick up the, the current ongoing narrative. Then you got other ones like Time in the Rani or The Eleventh Hour, which kind of, they almost function as soft reboots. There's a big stylistic change as well as the change in actor. Before I started listening to this one, I think I sent you a photograph of what I was doing. I listened to Night of the Doctor again before starting the first story, and it was seamless. It was it just flowed right through. It was it was great. The really really interesting thing about this set was, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about the set. There's a lot of things we have to talk about about this set. A lot of you know specifics, and I'm obviously we have to talk about the actor who's playing the Doctor, but we'll come back to that and give it the proper emphasis. The interesting, the really interesting thing I found about the set was that how we we all saw Sir John in the 50th anniversary, and those of us who, who are big Finnish fans listen to the, the, the stories that he did. And as you say, these are the doc, these are the War Doctor at the end. These stories were the War Doctor further into his incarnation, some cases, you know, obviously in the TV movie, right at the end of his incarnation. And what's really interesting about this one is this set is that they're very gradually mapping out how the Doctor has changed, who he's become, and it felt really 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 authentic it's the best way i can put it you know the highest praise i can give a big finish story is can i imagine having seen it on tv at some point in the past you know, i said that recently about the fifth doctor 10th doctor team up i absolutely was in the zone with this one 
you know, right from the start, I was I thought, right, yeah, could imagine somehow they could have done this in 2013. We got a whole series of them. You know, obviously it's not practical unless it's a massive CGI budget or whatever. But it, you're right, it absolutely maps out the differences. But we're going to talk about each story in turn. There's one in specific, one specific story I want to talk about because it had some real, really interesting stuff that really, really, what's the word? Just, just caught me, just made me think, right, I'm rambling a little bit here, everyone, because I got in from work at half past 11 this morning and I'm absolutely exhausted. So <laughs> for, for me, I could hear the thought is very difficult to try and get back to the point. Yes, there you go. I'll hand back to Kenny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if we do go through it, we'll see if it, we'll discuss Jonathan Carley after we've gone through each of the stories, perhaps. Mm. But like the flame, I think is great. And the fact we've got some really nice moments in there and we've got the Time Lords realising that Doctor is not quite the man he was. And the thing that yeah. I really find fascinating is that the whole regeneration, we've got Ohika, Ohelia, the lady yes. who's the leader of the Sisterhood of Karn, speaking yes. by hyperlink to Gallifrey and basically saying that the War Doctor has been engineered by the Time Lords to fight the war. So it was a trap all along, which I think is a wonderfully dark twist. Yeah, it's interesting because there's obviously been a lot of Eighth Doctor Time War stories. And one thing that I've been sort of sceptical about is how far can they keep going with Eighth Doctor Time War stories? Because you got the impression, at least I got the impression from Night of the Doctor, that the Time War had been going on for a while and the Doctor had been kind of on the outskirts of it. But a lot of the BF stories, he's actually been quite heavily involved. There's been some quite high concept stuff, like the really, really good story they did with the Valyard, for example. The more recent story with Davros, um, a lot of really interesting stuff. But I kind of felt, no, we can't really have too much of the Eighth Doctor with the, the Time War, because otherwise it dilutes everything that, that Night of the Doctor is all about. So you're right, it's it's good that this one, in a way, it, I'm hoping that the focus going forward for, War, for Time War stories will be with the War Doctor rather than, you know, the Eighth Doctor. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe that my ideal would be that the next Eighth Doctor, War Doctor set, just leads straight into Night of the Doctor. And that's it. They don't keep flogging it. They don't keep extrapolating it, you know, that too much. I understand that probably some of the scripts are probably repurposed in the original plan for Sir John. But now that they have Jonathan, I'm hoping that they do more War Doctor stories full stop and we don't have to release too many stories with, uh, with the eighth. The thing I especially liked about the first story was how it, um, it kind of did all the housekeeping for Night of the Doctor. You know, there was talk about the TARDIS being recovered, Cass being buried, all that sort of thing. It was, yeah, it was. It felt like a proper, a proper season opener, right? You know, this is almost like Night of the Doctor was maybe the, the whole pre-credits prologue to this whole thing. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, just when you mentioned Cass being buried, that scene right at the end when the Doctor says goodbye, Doctor, farewell, Doctor. And I'm, I did visualise that as he's got his new outfit on, having got the TARDIS back, and he's burning the Eighth Doctor's clothes as well. That's how I visualised that. Yeah. yeah, man, imagine. I mean, I totally. I would have liked to have seen when he maybe put, took off the coat or something that and they mentioned it. You know, it would have been good if they'd even done the traditional Doctor picks out his new costumes. And that's maybe the only thing that would have been missing that I would have liked. I it was cracking. It's, it's, it's one of these ones I could totally... I could rabbit on for hours about how good I thought it was. They've nailed it through that way. Perfect. <laughs> I agree. And then we move on to Lionhearts by Lou Morgan, where we get the first mm-hmm. appearance from Big Finish of the Tharos, who you think, actually, it's time sensitive. They'd be the ones who'd feel the time war probably more than anyone. Yeah, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's quite interesting this one because you've got the doctor's pretty much in a almost like a, a rescue mission to try and help yeah. Birok and obviously works with his sister in this one. It's quite fascinating the way it builds up and builds up until they find there's a whole load of Farrells captured, not just Birok. Yes. I'm surprised it's it's taken BF so long to use the Tharos, to be honest. This story was probably the one I, I kind of enjoyed the least out of the three. I felt it was maybe a little too talky at points. I did like the kind of reference. There was a point I think the doctor said something about having known Birok for a very long time, and I, I liked that sort of little moment. But you're right. Surely the, the Tharos would find the Time Lord absolutely devastating. I hope they do some more with them, actually. But, you know, obviously... I think the way this story panned out, then you were... I think the way it's building up, I mean, I really enjoyed this one. I think they're all very different in tone, which is what I liked. So you've got Light the Flame is very much sort of like, it builds and it builds. It's not an in-your-face action story, but it's a it's a good, it's mm-hmm. dramatic, whereas Lion Hearts is more cerebral and it's building up and building up. And it builds up to that fantastic moment at the end where the Tharos are all imprisoned and we think that the Doctor's killed them all. Spoilers. And I think it's a great moment because we actually think this doctor could kill them and probably would kill them if he had to. Yeah. I mean, that's something you and I have talked about before um, was how the the War Doctor series with with Sir John, the Big Finish, did. We sort of, I think privately, possibly not in the podcast, we sort of expressed the opinion it would have been nice if occasionally we'd seen the doctor going that little bit further and doing that, you know, the more death, taking more desperate measures. They actually did. Of course, in the first War Doctor say he does that, he kind of triggers the thing that um that blows up all the, the burrowing mining sort of stuff. If that's if I'm remembering that properly. No, it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right. I cause I was listening to it and sort of thinking, right, you know, has he killed the Pharaohs to you know stop them being exploited and you know and and being used? And he sort of thought you could absolutely believe that the guy that we've known for all these all these years could suddenly become so I don't know, what's the word? Harsh is not the word, but so calculated. Cold and calculated. Yeah, you know, he's because his focus isn't is has shifted. It's almost almost the no more Mr. Nice guy sort of approach. Yeah. It's I mean, I enjoyed it. And then I think from what we've said chatting between ourselves, um, story three, The Shadow Squad by Andrew Smith. Absolutely, this is the one that really sets the war doctor in motion. That he this is him, he's found his feet. And off he goes on his mission to try and kill the Dalek time strategist. And kill is the word. Yes. I effing loved this story. Do you know what? I really did. Uh, I, posted a, I posted a tweet on, on Thursday or Friday, where I was, I was listening to it, to, you know, directed at Andrew and Mr. Briggs and, and to Jonathan. I think Andrew's stories in the Sir John War Doctor se- series were actually my favourites. I'm not sure what it is, but Andy seems really, really suited to them. He seems to grasp the sense of um, of what's at stake and all, and even the more intimate sort of stuff. Because you, you know the the story of Leela, which I actually, when I was listening to it, paused halfway through to message Andrew and say, "Oh my God, what are you doing to me? This is killing me. It's amazing." What I really liked about the Shadow Squad was, at heart, was a brilliant, really straightforward, simple idea. Now, spoilers if you haven't heard it. The Time Lords create a little group of people outside of time so that the Daleks can't trace them, so that this group of people can then try and you know take the Daleks out, essentially. That's the boiled down version. It's a brilliant idea. But there's also some low-level timey-wimey stuff. Now, I'm not a fan of overly complicated timey-wimey stuff, but there's some really good moments when, when the Doctor and Tamazan 
they see a Dalek, the Dalek is taken out. And then further on in the story, you get that scene from the, the sort of the later perspective, sort of time-wise. And it's it's not the trickiest, most clever bit of timey-wimey, but you know, it's my my favorite saying now of how it complicated enough that the kids will enjoy it and simple enough that the, the adults will understand. But it, it it was done in such a straightforward, non-showboaty type way. And the thing, what I, the thing that I especially liked about it, the way Andrew scripted the Doctor, he was still quite sparkly. You've really got the sense that the Doc hasn't, although he's freshly engineered into this new body that's been custom designed to take out the Daleks and fight the Time War, he's still the Doctor. He was hilarious in this story. Tons of really, really, really good funny bits. I kept laughing on my walk. And it's obvious that the Doctor... Well, at least it's written by Andrew in this story, and I hope they don't lose this going forward. He still has many of his core characteristics at heart. Only some of his other, shall we say, settings have been raised slightly. The way he quipped along with Amazon, the whole thing about with the parachute jumping out of the, the spaceship and all that sort of stuff was tremendous. And um, the scenes where he confronted the Daleks were just amazing. As I say, I've been quite sniffy about a lot of the exploitation of the Time War, but if, if they could make them all as good as this, it would be ideal and I would be, you know, and, and I'm there for life, essentially. I mean, it was it was cracking. So, Andrew, I salute you. I think Andy's, in the past, his, in fact, the very first big Finnish story that got the Time War involved was the Santaran Ordeal. And Andy yes. used the Time War in that as we've got a nice peaceful planet. The Time War arrives and it's corrupted throughout its, its whole DNA so that this planet can never <laughs> have peace on it. And I think that's a horrifying concept and Andy absolutely yeah. plays really well with the Time War. Was that the one that was in Classic Doctor's New Monsters? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that was a good one. Right. Oh, Dave, did you enjoy that yes. one? I did. Oh, it was cracking. The first Classic Doctor's New Monsters set was brilliant. I think my favourite was probably the Sixth Doctor um, Jadun story. But we'll talk about that another time. Talk about that another go block your fault, go no hole. With, um, Indeed. We're raving about our Andy's Time War stories right now. Like yes, about it's it. great. I, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. I think there's the fact that we've got the time strategist in there and, yeah, the fact yeah. There's, just, there's so much duplicity in there and the whole concept of the Shadow Squad is so clever, as you mentioned. The fact you've got Time Lords who don't know their parents, so there's no way they can be sort of found through space and time and have their histories reversed and wiped out, as we've learned in the story that yeah. some Time Lords are being retconned virtually by the Daleks yeah. throughout history, which is a horrible yeah, idea. Because there was a whole bit when, yeah, there was a whole bit when Tamazar was kind of fading in and out and she was in flux, and of course the, the kind of, the sleeper agent that they were going to meet, the Doctor and Tamazar were going to meet at the start, in front of their eyes, basically gets retconned out of history because the Daleks, and the whole, the whole idea of the Dalek is the weapon itself, was tremendous. So the strategist, this is the same guy that was kicking about in Time Lord Victorious, isn't it? I think it's a different strategist. I think that was just is the Dal this is the time strategist rather than the strategist. Right. Okay. I, was, I couldn't remember if we'd met this particular Dalek before, but in my head I was sort of receiving it as being the guy from Time Lord Victorious. So that I kind of added a level. I, I love the scenes when the Doctor was confronting the Daleks. Mr. Briggs obviously having a great time doing it. It was just it was just one of the, it's a perfect storm for me, really, this, this last story. It was sort of, it wasn't showboating its cleverness. It was a straightforward, but intelligent sort of actioner with some wit and some excitement. And it's just basically all the, you know, you know, to coin a phrase that I often use, it was proper Doctor Who. It was, it really, really was good. And it's engaged me a lot more as far as the, um, the adventures that are yet to come in this series. And, you know, and God, I hope there's plenty. I hope yep. there are plenty. 
let's talk about the, I suppose we could say the, the main man at the heart of it, Jonathan Carley, who, of course, you'll have heard at the top of this episode, giving us a nice wee introduction, which was very kind of him to do so. Jonathan, again, thanks from the whole team. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm, you're an absolute legend. If you're listening, more power to your elbow, sir. I had heard Jonathan's War Doctor take on Twitter ages ago, and I just thought, this guy is unbelievable. And I actually texted Nick to say, I assume that you've heard this, because I knew that War Doctor Begins was something that was being talked about. And he said, mm -hmm. oh, yes, we are very aware of him. And that, I think <laughs> that was before he'd actually contacted Jonathan. And I could not believe just how good he is. Because, I mean, we've, it's very easy to talk about people giving an impression but this, as mm. we've said between ourselves, this is not an impression. This is a proper performance. This has got heart. Yes. This has got soul. It's got anger. It's a proper full performance. And it just so happens that it's done with the voice of John Hurt. Yes. I mean, this is this is an opportunity, I suppose, for us to talk about recasting in general. But just to kind of answer your point, yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. At no point did it feel like you were listening to an actor doing a John Hurt impression completely from the word go I was bought in I was you know I was in completely invested completely sold on it I could stick my neck out here a little bit and sort of say that I think you know after these three stories people like Jake Dudman and Tim Trelaw they need to raise their game <laughs> frankly as good as they are but this is the thing this is we should talk about this it's like when Big Finisher started one thing they said that they wouldn't do was recasting and it's obviously something that's that's kind of crept in gradually when Peter Purvis played the first Doctor and Fraser playing the second Doctor you know now we've had a few family members of some of the, the actors from the 70s and no longer with us doing you know great jobs sort of playing the character their mum had sort of played Tim Trelaw obviously started off narrating the part for the, of the third Doctor before playing it properly until Matt Smith comes on board Jake Dudman's doing you know a good job. How do you feel about the recasting idea in, 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 its, in its own right, Kenny? I have no problems with recasting. I think as long as they're done sensitively, and it, I mean, for example, let's say, I mean, God forbid, say that Fraser Hines passed away tomorrow, and then they instantly replace him with somebody else, mm. then that mm. would be completely wrong. I think the fact that they always make sure that time passes before, you know, yeah. before they actually do them, and I think that's you know, it's done yeah. sensitively. There's no, it's done carefully and it's done with thought and it's done with compassion. And as you say, the fact that we've got the daughters of Caroline John and Elizabeth Sladen playing their parts now is great because they do have that similar yeah. inherent vocal quality in their voices. And Tim Trelaw yeah. captures the spirit of John Bertwee. It's not a perfect vocal performance, but he's giving a spirit of it. He's an actor. He's not an impressionist. Yeah. And yeah, I've got no problem yeah. with it. It's something I, I was kind of a bit, hmm, about but the thing is as I mentioned Purvis playing Hartnell that's what kind of swung me because you know, these men were friends they worked together 60 years ago nearly you know and if anyone's I think I think it gives Peter a sort of a sort of um, a right to do it in a way because he's, he's paying tribute to his friend I've, I know there are a lot of people that are quite resistant to it I've seen you know a lot of stuff said about people being negative about Jacob playing the 11th Doctor or Tim playing the third Doctor and there was accusations when the, the War Doctor begins was announced that this was just a, a cynical cash grab, a big finish, which I can kind of refute completely. I mean, one thing I think is interesting when it comes to the recasting is that people are very attached to the fact that these characters were played by these actors when it was originally on television. And I think if you can sort of detach yourself from that a little and just then think of them as characters, 
with divine qualities who could be played by other people. When you think about it, how many people have played Sherlock Holmes? How many people have played Tarzan? We're about to get our umpteenth, or what, our third Batman in 10 years on the big screen, you know, because Arpats is, is, is doing his new movie. And I'm not saying that, you know, and I don't, when I say this, I don't mean to disrespect Mr. Hartnell, Mr. Petway, or Mr. Troughton, but it's, I think if people were able to sort of relax a little bit and just think of their doctors as characters rather than the men themselves, I think, you know, people could maybe relax a little bit. I mean, obviously, we lost Jackie Lane very recently. And BF are about to do a story with another actor playing the part of Dodo, which is fine. So obviously Jackie didn't want to do it. As I said, you know, when we when we talked about Jackie before, you know, it's it was a job she did for a few months, decades ago. It's it's perfectly understandable that she wouldn't want to get to be involved in doing it again. Um, but you know, BF are about to do another story with Dodo, and, and, and I wish her luck. I'm sure it'll be fine. It'll open things up. As you say, they generally do. There, there hasn't been. A, I don't think there's been a single bit of recasting that BF have done that has felt remotely exploitative or cack-handed or in bad taste. So, you know, they're doing a good job. They really are. Yeah. I mean, Elliot Chapman's Ben is fantastic. A lot of time and research went into that. But as David Richardson says in the extras, you look at the Star Wars films, Sir Alec Guinness played Obi-Wan Kenobi, but then Ewan McGregor plays the younger version of him. And I think that's what people have to wake up and realise. And, and it's not being done gratuitously. It's being done carefully. And it's not a case of let's pick the first actor that we can find in Spotlight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's that's a that's a really good way of, of doing it. And I should have mentioned Elliot Chapman's Ben because he was terrific. He stopped doing them now, which is a bit of a shame. But you know, he did he did Michael Proud, I think, in, in the same way that Jonathan has has done Sir John Proud. I mean, we should talk a bit more about Jonathan. I don't, I can't praise him enough. You know, because he was he was so good. I genuinely had no. I was picturing so. You know, sometimes. If I'm listening to a first Doctor early adventure, for example, and Peter Purvis is playing the Doctor, I'm kind of aware, and in my head, I'm picturing, I'm, you know, my brain is telling the story, but I'm kind of picturing Peter Purvis at a, at a microphone. You know, it's not wholly convincing at times, but it, you know, it does the job, absolutely does the job. But this time, I, I was, I was completely in the zone. You know, I was picturing this widescreen running down corridors with pharaohs, ducking down behind rocks, hiding from the Daleks, the whole chamber with all the, the different timelines all sort of fluxing and all that sort of stuff. And it was the young John Hart as glimpsed at the end of Night of the Doctor that I was picturing. So, you know, it was faultless. It's, it's one of the, one of, it's probably the best recasting I think they've done. I concur completely. I mean, the thing is, when I spoke to Jonathan for Vortex, his voice is nothing like that. that and you can hear that in the really? CD extras. And that's another thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think, Louise Jameson has done a wonderful job as well from taking mm. from what I imagine would be from what you hear, what he does in the, he's done online previously, but to hear yeah. this, the fact that he can sustain the voice for so long without ripping his vocal cords out. I mean, as you heard earlier, I did, yeah. my, I did my Jadun and that always sort of, within, you know, within a couple of minutes, it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. So to be able to maintain and, and do that, a lot of credit to Louise as well. Got to yeah. mention her as director. So yeah, all in all though, I cannot wait for the next one. The, this set finished, and I wanted to know what happens next. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and definitely all credit to Louise, because we've heard how she spent a lot of time working closely with Jonathan to kind of help him get in the zone a little bit, and, you know, workshops and all that sort of stuff. I mean, Louise Jameson's the best actor to ever appear in Doctor Who, full stop. So, you know, all praise be to her. I'm glad that Big Finish are making use of her talents and their abilities. God bless Louise. I'm absolutely the same. I want to know what happens next, and I hope they do loads. I mean, the really good thing about it is that it really opens things up for them because they could do later era War Doctor stories with Jonathan. 
he'll drop a few more bits of gravel into the into the voice. If they're ever doing another multi-doctor team-up story or another anniversary special with multiple doctors in it, we know they've got Jonathan and that the war doctor can, can take part. It's 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 good. You know, it's good from that point of view. It, I, he's, he's phenomenal. It's a good thing. I mean, this is... We're not sponsored. I've said this before. We're not sponsored by Big Finish. Kenny and I are just both Big Finish fans. Kenny obviously works for them and stuff as well. So, you know, we have these little occasional divergent moments in the podcast where we we'll talk about the, the significant Big Finish releases. And, and this is one of them. This is an absolute corker. So, you know, strong recommend. If you haven't checked it out, if you had your doubts and all that, go and read Kenny's article about it in Vortex a couple of months ago. And hopefully that will swing you towards it. But it really is. I mean, I, I freely admit that I'm... I've been quite cynical about some of the spin-off media recently, but this is a cracker. This is well, well worth it. Tom, is it something you might be interested in listening to in the future, just if you have the time? Well, if you ever met these two other guys, you'd know how much a pain in the arse they can be if, if you don't <laughs> listen to these sorts of things. So, yeah, I'll probably listen to it to get them off my back. That sounds quite good. <laughs> So remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod. That's the number three, written out in full. And we also have a website, www.powerof3pod.com, where you can find past episodes and articles. And we also have our Facebook page. So please feel free to pop by, like the page, and share your thoughts on our episodes. Yep, please do. And while we're here, please check out Pieces of Eight, Kenny's Eight Doctor Dedicated Podcast. It's very, very good indeed. And I'm not just saying that because he's my pal. Please check out Tom's Imposter Podcast. It's very, very good and very, very interesting. And I'm not just saying that because he's my pal. And check out the Earth 2 podcast, which I do with Peter, because it's brilliant. And I'm just saying that because it's me. Well, I can see it's very, very good and it's interesting. And I can see that not just because I'm your pal, but because I find it interesting because <laughs> it's a world I don't know about. So. God bless Great. you, Kenny. Bless you. Salute. <laughs> yep. Tom, do you wish to say farewell to the listeners? Farewell. He's been very quiet today, our Tom. He's been in yeah. good behaviour. He has. It's not like him. He's, he's too, he, just things, listeners, you can't see this, obviously. Tom sat with his headphones plugged in watching all the location footage from Time in the Rani on the new season 24 box set, giggling away to himself. He's loving every minute of it. He's writing all these notes. I can't wait to hear what he's got to say when we talk yeah. about the box set. Well, with that, I think it's probably time to say farewell. Until the next time, Kenny, take care. Pleasure, treasure. So what are we going to play out with today, Dave? Well, Kenny, as usual, I'm delighted you asked me. I'm just going through, flicking through my big box of seven-inch singles right now, picking it onto the turntable, lifting up the needle. Yes, we're playing it with War by Edwin Starr.
What is it good for? <laughs>